arrows, Captain? Villagers with flintlocks. That's impossible. They hadn't progressed nearly that far. Program complete. Enter when ready. Watched the RPG today. I was like, I was very surprised at like how many. Yeah, nobody says anything, so I don't. I don't know if they're full watches or they're just like click and clicks off. I don't know. I don't know. Nobody's ever like, why did you make them roll that? Or like, that's really weird. Or nobody says anything, so it's like it'll be like, you have seventy views, and I'm like, okay, are there are these seventy views, or are they like four views? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's not us. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Promise you that. Risk. Risk is our business. That'll work. It was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. We're not afraid of diversity. We don't persecute it. We embrace it. At least I won't die alone. Federation of planets and reach for the stars. Those were the days. Welcome back to another Re Trek review where each week we talk about Star Trek. And this week we're talking about the original series episode, A Private Little War. It originally aired February 2nd, 1968. We're watching these in production order. So for us, it's episode 16. But in release date order, it is episode 19. It was originally written by an individual called Judd Crucis, which is a pseudonym. Yeah, it's a fake name from a writer called Don Ingalls. (laughs) He wrote an episode in the first season, uh, The Alternative Factor, which we didn't watch. And then the only other episode he wrote was this one. And he substituted the name after Gene Roddenberry went and rewrote the entire episode. (laughs) And Gene Roddenberry removed many of the over-Vietnam War parallels. Oh, which you can, which we'll get into in a little bit. And so Don Ingalls, yeah. So Don Ingalls changed his name to Jude Crucis to be a wordplay on, get this, Jesus crucified. Oh, because that makes sense. (laughs) This guy, this guy really thought a lot of himself. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. So he changed his name to that, but so it became a teleplay written by Gene Roddenberry, and it was directed by Mark Daniels, who we've heard his name before. He's done The Man Trap, The Naked Time, both menageries, 
Space Seed, The Doomsday Machine, Mirror Mirror, and now this episode. Hmm. Man, that's really that's really bad that this is like the fixed version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the synopsis for a private <laughs> a private little war is on a planet with a primitive civilization, the Enterprise discovers that the Klingons are providing a Stone Age society with increasingly advanced weaponry. So before we move on, we'll ask Caleb, what did he say? <laughs> well, this is a rare, this is a rare day for me. <laughs> um, I really, really do not like this episode. <laughs> I, I think this is probably my least favorite episode so far of all yeah. Star Trek. And it'll probably stay at the bottom of my list for a while, I, I think. Sure, absolutely. I mean, there's other episodes, like you said, there's other episodes that we like just have not even watched because they don't really tie anything together. But well, to put it, to put it lightly, and I know, and I'm going to leave this in, uh, like the uh, mostly episodes I'm having you not watch are either not relevant or worse than this. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah. So I yeah, I mean I, I figured well, like why you were having us watch this episode when I was watching it, obviously, but yeah, it just didn't it didn't do anything for me, to be honest with you. It was yeah. kinda I don't know, all over the place, kinda boring. Um yeah. characters were over the top. And then it just abruptly like ends at the end. And it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Also, it's like I don't know. Kirk kind of goes against stuff that he believes in, and so does the other guy. And it's kind of like this. Not I don't know. It's not a very feel good episode, if you ask me. No. no, it was it was one on my list that I battled with a lot, and I wanted to let it go. Um, I wanted to not have us uh, watch it just because it's one of those episodes that's like just not really the strongest of the original series. Yeah. And we can basically talk about it a little bit here. The The three main reasons I wanted to watch it was it's one of the few episodes that doesn't end on a high note. And it also kind of like leaves the problem in the audience's hands, mm-hmm. which is, which at the heart of it is a real is and should be a good Star Trek episode. Yeah. It sh- it should it should present this this issue um that makes you think as the viewer. Yeah, it makes you wonder like which is right. Correct. And the second reason is it's a really good early episode um of showing how like what we're dealing right now with the RPG of basically like dealing with uh non warp capable species on a planet and like not trying to interfere with them right basically like fo- trying to follow general order one trying is a pretty good uh sure sure yes and then lastly uh it is only this episode and one other episode which i think is a lot harder to sit through uh hmm. where dr Mbenga shows up cool cool so he only shows up in two episodes, and it's this one and one other, and uh, this is the easy, this is the more palatable episode. 
Wow. I was glad to see that uh, he finally lost his accent. Yep. So that's good. That's right. <laughs> it, it is very funny watching those like characters like Chapel and Benga and Spock all interact. Yeah. And like not have any of the like emotional connection that they no, have nothing. in Stranger yeah. like nothing like like there's a glint well... of it a little bit at like one part in the episode but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like Chapel just kind of gave up. Right. And <laughs> then like when she can sneak it she'll like hold his hand. Right. <laughs> it's like okay, that's kind of weird. And in this timeline, he's not even with like, he's not even with Tupree anymore. Nope. I didn't know that Mbenga was even an original series character, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I figured not. <laughs> so when he showed up in Bones, it was like, oh, that's Dr. Mamamba. And I was like, is that Mbenga? Is it supposed to be Mbenga and he just doesn't know how to pronounce it? Or is it like, <laughs> this is somebody else? Yeah. Yeah, this is Dr. Mombambi. Uh he's pretty good. <laughs> it's really it's honestly really funny that you say that because we're gonna get into that a little bit later too. <laughs> I was so confused at first. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, I mean it's okay. Like it's it's okay, not gonna like everything, you know, not every episode is is a yeah. winner. And honestly, and, I, this is uh, the first time I've felt this way towards a, an original series episode. But I, I do think uh, you know it's one of those things that as a as a Star Trek viewer, especially with the original series, you kind of have to sprinkle in some rough ones to really understand that. Like, I mean, this was this was the show. They were mixed yeah. with pretty decent episodes to really great episodes to like. Uh, I don't really want to watch these episodes to bad episodes. Yeah. So just remind you when you're watching it, like, hey, this this could be worse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's a bummer too because this has one of like my favorite like creature designs so far. I uh, yeah. <laughs> right. They they went all out. They spent all this money. Yeah. Oh well. I wish that these were the uh, the creatures that were like beating on top of the Galileo in that episode. That would have been. That would have been good. True. So no new subscribers, but we say thank you to you all anyways. And now we can get into the teaser. On a scientific mission to Neural, a primitive pre-first contact planet, protected by General Order 1, Spock, Kirk, and McCoy are doing some minor research on indigenous plant life and chemical compounds. Spock finds large footprints of the Mugatu, a white ape-like creature. Kirk remembers his first planetary survey as a lieutenant 13 years prior at this very planet. Spock comments on the qualities of the planet, how Earth-like it is. Kirk notes that the inhabitants have stayed at the same technological level for centuries, and that bows and arrows are still the tools of hunting. He also explains that the people are peaceful and never fight amongst themselves. Kirk and Spock hear yells from some of the inhabitants and run over to see what is going on. It is obvious the men 
are not holding bows and arrows, but flintlock firearms. Kirk explains that it would be impossible for them to have invented these type of weapons in the duration since his previous visit. The thing I did like was Bones, like, collecting all the plant life. Yeah. Like, dealing with that. That was nice. With his little tube tube tray. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed that, too. I even, Even, like, Kirk and Spock together looking at stuff. Yeah. I liked all that. So the funny thing is, and I, I don't know if you thought about it too, but so we go back to the Doomsday Machine where uh, Matt Decker is like, I know that in Starfleet we don't believe in hell, but he's like, but I've seen the devil and blah, 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 right? And he goes on about this mm. stuff. Now you flash forward to this episode and Kirk isn't just like, hell, look, it's a natural Garden of Eden. They consistently and to like a fault keep talking about the garden of eden and introducing yeah. the serpent and it's like okay uh-huh and it's like so they do teach you about religion <laughs> yeah it's weird yeah and then every time kirk calls it garden of eden something really bad happens yeah that proves that it's like not, not this right. like mythical beautiful place that he thinks it is also, this kind of does one of those things that you're you always say that like you're not a fan of, hmm. where it's kind of like the flashback, like these oh. characters are because something happened a long time ago, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every time something would happen on screen, Kirk would be like, "Oh, well, that wasn't like that when I was here 13 years ago." <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it is now. <laughs> yeah. It's like that now, Kirk. Well, it wasn't like that 13 years ago. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) But it's changed. But it's (laughs) like that now. Yeah. And then, you know, for him to immediately assume, oh, the Klingons must be involved because these people could not have advanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. What are you going to do about it? Oh, nothing. Yeah, it's pretty funny. (laughs) What if we give the other side weapons? That should be fine. <laughs> that should be fine. <laughs> to me, I think probably the teaser is probably the strongest part of the episode. Yeah. Because it like sets everything up and you're like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. And then it slowly kind of unravels as the episode I, goes on. I was involved with the episode up until um, Kirk was in the cave. Gotcha. And then it just all kind of unraveled for me. Yeah. Coming toward them is a band of men, one of whom is Tyree, the man Kirk lived with while on his original mission. They are walking directly into a trap set by the armed men. Warned by Spock that the use of his phaser is expressly forbidden, Kirk throws a stone and distracts one of them, causing him to fire his weapon and give away his position. The other men scatter for cover, as do Kirk and Spock. The armed men make chase, and McCoy quickly prepares the USS Enterprise through his communicator for the landing party's return. Spock is shot in the back by one of the flintlock guns and goes tumbling to the ground. Kirk hurries to the aid of the wounded Spock, whose pale blue uniform shirt is stained with green blood. He helps him back to his feet, and they run to McCoy. The three of them beam up, leaving the armed men wondering 
where they could have gone. Yes, I, I did not expect Spock to get shot through the back. Yeah. And that, that stunt was double a hundred percent commits to getting shot in the back. Uh-huh. I really like that when he he just like he just hard flops into the ground. Yeah, that's pretty good. And then they're implying that Spock got shot like through and through because he had Yeah. Blood right on the back the and blood on the front. So I assume right. the bullet went through him, which that's a good flintlock. Yeah. That's a pretty that's a pretty strong <laughs> yeah. BB essentially. Yeah, right. From that distance too, you know. Blam. <laughs> pretty funny. But yeah, I did not expect that at all. I like how Spock too is the one where he's like, No, you can't use phasers. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. And then even after he gets shot, Kirk like gives him his phaser and he's like, No, I don't I'm not gonna use the phaser. That's phaser. like very much illegal. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest of the episode they just proceed to use the phasers every time they get yeah. into a situation. <laughs> yeah, because Spock isn't there anymore. <laughs> even McCoy uses the phaser to like heat up the stones. It's like Yeah. I don't think you're supposed to be like showing off that you have this technology. I think that's kind of part of the thing, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty yeah. It's like a thing where you understand what they're doing and you and you get why it, it it's the way it is, but at the same time mm -hmm. it's like uh, it's a lot of convenient plot like uh, yeah. moments where it's like, "Oh, okay." It's one of those things, though, that it's like, yeah, it's a Starfleet rule. I get that. But, like, there's no way. You know, that stuff would happen all the time. Right. Well, the reality is they're not supposed to really intermix as much as they have, you know. That's no. The... Yeah, like, Kirk's friend there is not even supposed to know that he's, like, a spaceman. Correct. But he does, because Kirk can't does. keep his mouth shut. <laughs> The landing party arrived back on the ship with Dr. Joseph Mbenga and Nurse Chapel waiting in the transporter room, ready to treat Spock. Lucky his heart is where his liver should be, or he'd be dead now, McCoy says. As they hover over Spock, a red alert is called by Lieutenant Uhura. A Klingon vessel is approaching. Before leaving for the bridge with Montgomery Scott, Kirk asks McCoy about Spock's condition, and he can only reply, I don't know yet, Jim. Kirk arrives on the bridge. Ensign Chekhov explains that the Klingon ship does not know of their presence, since the Enterprise is holding the planet between them. Uhura offers to contact Starfleet, but Kirk warns that it could give away their position and alert the Klingons. So, yep, there's Mbenga and Chapel again yep. together. Great. Yeah, pretty cool. No Sulu on the bridge. So no we... Sulu. Yeah. He's yet to have an episode with the full original seven. I think we ever will. <laughs> I really like the scene where Jim just kind of looks at McCoy. Oh, yeah. He just says Bones, and McCoy just says, I don't know yet, Jim. Yeah. It's like they have, you know, they don't need to really speak a lot to know what, you know. Right, 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 right. I like that because it just shows like how like close they are. Absolutely. Yeah, it shows how good their friendship is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like again, like this these these this 
parts like leading up to them basically like you said like them getting to the cave is like these parts are fine yeah exactly <laughs> kirk begins to contemplate the likelihood that the inhabitants of the planet could have developed firearms in the few years since they started forging iron Scott, Chekhov, and O'Hara on the bridge offer explanation as to how it could have happened progressively, but Kirk abruptly cuts them off. He later apologizes, stating to them that he's, that he's worried about Spock. Spock's condition is poor because there is no replacement organs available to treat him. They are forced to wait and see what happens. However, Spock is also in excellent hands with McCoy's immediate subordinate Dr. Mbenga, who has considerable experience in treating Vulcans, having interned in a Vulcan ward. Kirk explains to McCoy that they must go down to the planet together, overruling McCoy's per preference to treat Spock personally by reminding him of his own recommendation of Mbenga, and must discover what has happened with the, with the disparity in weapons. While asking Scott to have the ship's stores prepare period clothing, Kirk is warned that Enterprise that the Enterprise may have to leave orbit to avoid being discovered. They set a time for a rendezvous. That won't happen, though. No. Sorry. It definitely won't happen right when they need it. No. Yeah, yeah Scotty won't be Pull like, the... oh, did they land? Perfect. Pull away. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the last thing I saw on sensors was a uh, giant monkey. Anyway, let's get out of here. <laughs> let's, let's move it. So I don't think they, in Strange New Worlds, I don't think they touch on that, like, Mbenga has this type of teaching, so either in the five or six years. Yeah. He apparently... What does it say? He interns at a Vulcan ward, so... Yeah, I don't know. You know, because he deals with Spock in a lot of episodes, and it's like he doesn't seem to be like hyper efficient with taking care of Spock in those episodes. Uh -oh. Nope. But like we were talking about earlier, um, the I do actually like the scene where Scotty and Chekhov and Uhura are all like trying to explain mm -hmm. to Kirk like how it could have happened naturally, and Kirk kind of like snaps. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't open for debate. Kills at him. Basically, yeah, you're you're all wrong. Yeah, right. And I don't have I don't have time to listen to your thoughts. I'm the captain. I can openly talk and ask questions, but I don't expect an answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what he was doing, you know. Yeah. Like out loud, he's like, I wonder how this could happen. Like, well, it's not, you know. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, I wasn't asking anybody. I was just talking out loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I noticed when O'Hara like stood up, her chair like swung back and smashed the council. Oh. Pretty, pretty hard. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you can hear it. It was pretty good. Brian. Nice. Okay. The other thing that was interesting, and I don't know generally how I feel about it, is them saying that Spock's condition is really poor because they have no replacement organs. Yeah, what does that mean? 
So like they have no, I understand that they mean that they have no organs to like, they don't have like organ transplants, right? They can't put a Vulcan, whatever, a liver in him or whatever. Yeah. But flash forward when we get to, towards the end of the episode, like Spock does his weird thing and then it's like, I'm fine. <laughs> and it's like, but your organ is damaged or gone or something it's like so how are you still functioning if you're doing like heavy concentration on healing like are you healing your organ and it wasn't that bad or are you just surviving and now you have a like mutilated organ i don't know i i kind of assume that like the surgery they did was to like sew his organ back together I guess, yeah. Like, they did surgery to, like, patch him up, and then he had to, like, use his Vulcan, whatever, to, like, come out of it. But then he, like, just immediately sits up. He's like, oh, I'm totally fine. Yeah. How? Like, oh, let me guess. uh, Vulcan physiology? Like, yep. Great. Yeah. Perfect. Whatever plot holes there are, it's Vulcan physiology. Well, that's because I have six livers, Dr. (laughs) <laughs> but you know it's funny the way that they made that sound is like there's just like a big holding area in the bottom of the ship where it's just it's just organs yeah totally. <laughs> so, oh we don't have any of these organs <laughs> like oh, yeah. oh no there's an episode yeah. in season three I think it's the season three premiere which we're not going to watch it's called Spock's Brain oh man and this uh, this individual literally takes Spock's brain out of his head. Oh my god! And then they put this machine over his head, like McCoy puts mm-hmm. this like device on his head, and so then Mac- Spock like still he can do like very minimal things, like walk and like look around, and that's all he can do. And then yeah. and then and then later they put his brain back in, and. It's just an episode, and it's 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 just like uh, it's one of those <laughs> kind of things. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's how I felt with this when they were when the same thing happens when it's like it's kind of like what you said in the Operation Annihilate, where it's just mm-hmm. like he he has all of the stuff, and then he goes perfectly fine. I'm totally fine. He goes, however, yeah. I am blind. So it's like it's like this. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm totally fine. However, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. 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 Paralyzed from the oh. waist down. However, I'll never walk again. Right. Captain's log, start eight four two one one point four. Keeping our presence here secret is an enormous tactical advantage. Therefore, I cannot risk contact with Starfleet Command. I must take action on my own judgment. I've elected to violate orders and make contact with planet inhabitants here. McCoy and Kirk, wearing their neural-style clothing, beam down to the planet. McCoy reminds him of their orders. Kirk recalls it was his own recommendation not to permit contact with the inhabitants. The thing that's like strange in this in this part and like a like what you're saying where he keeps referencing like 13 years ago, yeah, you keep you keep keeps bouncing between like he just like met this guy to 
know he spent a lot of time with this guy, to know he told the guy a lot about him, to, mm. oh, he kind of, like, revealed a lot to him. So yeah. it's it's like a really weird thing because like he doesn't Kirk doesn't act like like there's a guy on the planet who knows everything about him. He just acts like there's some guy that I met during the survey 13 years ago. Yeah. And he was friendly to us. It's like, no, you told him that you were from space and he knew yeah. what, like phasers were and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like. Yeah. 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 It's it's real bounces all over the place it really does it's also weird too like he said specifically like oh i don't i can't let starfleet know we're here right for like tactical advantage which is like why would that i get like hiding from the klingon ship right but yeah i don't know I think he's just afraid of like sending a message. Will like the Klingons will in, like intercept the message and see that there's uh -oh. a Starfleet ship like present. Even if like Starfleet like reaches out to them, you get the transfer. The, the radio yeah. comes. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing where it's it's a plot thing because you know I don't know I don't know how well written it is to to be under the thought that the Klingons are like listening to like communications to the point where they're like ah yes a federation ship is present well the thing about the Klingons in this episode is you don't it, it doesn't make any sense and you don't even know why they're there in the first place right 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 and I, that, think I think isn't that what Scadley says he's like oh well they can they can conduct research on this planet just like we can yeah 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 that's what it is. like oh well klingons don't do research yeah and it's like so why are they arming these these villagers like i don't i don't get it like what's their end goal they never just because yeah they definitely never explain the purpose of it and the only thing i could think of is because mccoy says that the roots and herbs are like a medicinal whatever like yeah I forget how he describes it, but basically that these the plant life on the planet is like a dream, a medical dream for like doctors and stuff. Yeah. Only thing I could think of is like that's what the Klingons are interested in. So they're disrupting the 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 lives yeah, on the planet I for guess. some weird reason. Yes, yeah. But it sounds like too he was the making planet. when we get to the Klingon part, it sounds like he's making one of the guys He's trying to make him like a governor of the planet so that they can have full control of the planet. Yeah. It's just one of those things. Where it's like the planet is so big. The Klingons could just land on the other side of the planet and take whatever they want and like never you would never know. Right, right, right. It's a um, It's just weird. It's just weird. Well, when I when I get when I get to the part, it won't like change. It won't change anything to the point where you're like, oh, it all makes sense. You'll just be like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. I'll say, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As yeah. the men walk, Kirk is attacked by a Mugatu. Oh. An ape-like ape creature with white fur and a large horn on its head. He is bitten and suffers from the effects of its poison fangs. McCoy pulls out his phaser and vaporizes the Mugatu. 
Yeah. Rushing to Kirk's side, McCoy's small collection of medical supplies will not be sufficient to save his life. He attempts to contact the ship, but to no avail. It has left orbit. Kirk tells him to get to Tyree's men, the hill people, who have already found them. McCoy explains to them <laughs> that they must take take Kirk to Tyree or he will die. So I like this part because I like it and see the uh, Mugatu. <laughs> I thought that was a really cool yeah. like, design. It was very funny to me that this thing is like this thing is like this huge ape creature, super strong. It's got horns and spikes, but yeah. also has a poisonous bite. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. like, wow. This thing is like, nuts. Man, this thing is stacked, buddy. <laughs> Could you imagine the bows and arrows guy going up against that? Right? Like, let's no. shoot it with arrows. Yeah. It's horrifying. It kills all of us. We go out with 20 men, we come back with two. It's the worst. Yeah. yeah. But if it gets mug- close to bite you, you 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 toast, you know. <laughs> but that Mugatu meat is delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> the Mugatu tail is very exquisite. <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. funny. Very it's funny. really funny how it's like it's clearly like a Yeti suit kind of thing, right? Like it's yeah. a and then they're like, okay. But it's also got spikes on the back in it and a long dinosaur tail. Yeah, because it's from space. <laughs> and it also has a unicorn horn. You're like, okay. Yeah. And also what about what else? What else? <laughs> it's like, what do you mean, what else? It's like it's like you uh turn to one of the children that we know and you're like, okay, there's a design this creature for me. And he's like, it's a gorilla. And you're like, oh, okay, well, it's probably going to be a little bit more than a gorilla because it's a space creature. And he's like, okay, it's also a dinosaur. And you're like, all, all right. All right, and nice. Yeah, like he's like, yeah. And he's got a horn on his head. You're like, okay, okay. Cool. <laughs> he's got this, face. this is sounding very spacey. What else? What else? Like, well, <laughs> if it bites you, it's like uh, it's like a snake, snake bite. Ooh, <laughs> oh, I like it. It's also the, you got the strength of like 10 men. Oh, I love it. <laughs> he likes to just stand on top of rocks and like watch and like wait. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and kind of like scream like a woman. <laughs> this is turning into be quite the formidable creature. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those things where it's like, well, we can't have this thing like beat Kirk's skull in. No, 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 no. So like, what are we going to do? And they're like, what about if it had poisonous fangs? Mm, like, ooh. <laughs> this solves <laughs> all our problems. Oh, that, that would be great, you know, because then because then Kirk could like roll around and go like ooh. Oh, the poison. <laughs> ah. <laughs> ah. Yep. Find <laughs> Irene. Ah. Please. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> so to your point, I was sitting there watching it last night. And Adri's sitting on the couch, and she looks up, and that's what she sees is Kirk like uh-huh. rolling around in the grass, yeah. and she's like, "Man, is he overacting?" She goes, "She goes, he is losing his mind." I go, "Well, he's poisoned," and she goes, "Oh, yeah. okay." Like <laughs> he got poisoned by a giant monkey creature. <laughs> <laughs> but the best part is that the made what made her watch it is that when when the Mugatu jumps out and he's like, "Yeah,", yeah. and I said, "I said, oh, Caleb's gonna love this part, though." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just wait till the other part where Kirk's laying down. That's a good. Uh, that'll be good. No, that part you don't like. I bet Adrian loves this episode. She really likes this episode. 
Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, but I liked I like seeing the, the Mugatu. That was pretty good. Did you also really like that um the end part didn't make any sense and then it went to commercial and you're like, I guess this makes a smidge of sense, but also it still doesn't make sense. No. Where he's like No, when he's standing there yelling at the people and they're just staring at him. <laughs> And they're just like staring at him and staring at him. And then when it finally comes back from commercial, McCoy's like, medical log, uh, these people are very kind and genuine, <laughs> willing to help at all costs and very speedy, very quick in there. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? What is he talking about? Yeah. They just kept looking at him like, oh, is that a... Yeah. That He's going to die. Don't you understand? Don't you get it? He's just like he got bit by the Mubatu. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you uh, I get love it? it. I love like, it. Uh -huh. I love that you're 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 playing right <laughs> into it, and I love it. <laughs> Don't you see him sweating over there? <laughs> it's just like that guy's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. hmm. That well, that's no concern of ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sucks. Then, yeah, but then even when he goes into the village, he's that guy specifically is like, he's like just as frantic as McCoy was. Oh, yeah. You know, he's like, we got to get him to melt. We got to find him. <laughs> he's dying. Don't you understand? <laughs> don't you see? <laughs> it's like, dude, you're just staring at him like five seconds ago. Yeah. Looking at him like, is this like a? Is this is he like me? Is he <laughs> is he like me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Is he like like me? Is he like me? Is he like yeah. Me? <laughs> it's just so funny, and I get like it to cut the cut to commercial. It's supposed to be a cliffhanger of will Kirk die from the bite? Like I get that that was the intention, but like <laughs> they they hang. On that guy staring Way at Way too him. long, yeah. And also silent. Thank you. Like McCoy says to him, like, don't you see? He's going to die. Do something. And then he just like he just keeps staring. And then it's quiet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Is this the end for Kirk? Is the Mubatu bite too much for the captain? Stay tuned. Ah. <laughs> uh. Come back next week for Private Little War Part Two. I was like, I don't remember these guys not taking care of Kirk. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it ends up to them taking Kirk to the yeah. to their site. And I'm like, why is this taking? Like, what is he thinking? What's he gonna say? And then it just cuts to black. And I was like, the, oh, okay. And then they're in the then they're in the cave. Yeah. Man, these guys are very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Almost immediately, they took a liking to us. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, here oh, it is. Man. Yeah. So Tyree's men bring Kirk and McCoy into their camp. Medical log, stardate 4211.8. Kirk is right about the people here. Despite their fear and our strangeness, <laughs> they're compassionate and gentle. I've learned the hunter Tyree is now their leader. He is expected to return shortly with his wife, who they say knows how to cure this poison. My mm -hmm. problem? The captain is in deep shock. I must keep him warm and alive until then. 
Kyrie and his wife, Nona, follow some men with guns. She explains to him that they must obtain the same fire sticks, making them strong and able to take the enemy's houses and supplies. Tyree is sure that the enemies will someday return to peace again. She does not agree. For majority of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, so this, <laughs> right off the bat, so this is, to me, this is where the episode just goes off the rails. Yeah. When you first see them, and you're like, okay, she's right. weird, but like not over the top. At this right, point. right, right, right. She's very tropey where it's like, it's, it's, uh-huh. it, it doesn't have to be just a woman. It's like, it's the trope of there is an individual who is like, no, you can't do this because if you don't react, like if you don't fight, we're all going to die. Like, yeah. that's a very, it's, a, it's everything, everything does it. It's the guy in charge's wife that wants him to be more than he is. It's very, it's, it's all the time you see that. Yeah. But it's also just that classic thing too, where it's like they're, they're natives and they all wear like animal skin. Mm -hmm. And then she comes around the bush and she's wearing like tight leather pants and right. Right. Like an orange thing. That's like kind of barely barely covering her yeah that's such a weird choice for like native native people to wear it's pretty it's pretty bad because like her the dealings of her are pretty steeped with like 60s sexism yeah of like how she reacts how they deal with her like uh, just all just pretty much her entire performance is clearly like not her fault because she can obviously act pretty okay to the to a point. Yeah. Like she's not like unbelievable, but it's just like they constantly are making her do things and say things that are you're just like you roll your eyes at because it's like what she's saying makes sense. And yeah. her her being upset makes sense. She doesn't want to die. Like it, I get it. But they go about it like this just this yeah. really weird way. It's very like forcefully expressing her opinion. Yeah. To the point where like you don't want to feel the way you do, but you also want her to like not be in the room when like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody's yeah. talking because like <laughs> yeah, it's rough. It's if rough you, if it's you, like, you could just have an either. opinion, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like it's like yeah. she's making valid points, but the way they write her, it's like yeah, you also don't want her around. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. But yeah. then, even before you get to the cave, it's that part where, you know, she makes that, like, whimsical joke. Like, oh, yeah, you're, I put you under my spell. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, tee-hee-hee. And then she pulls out those leaves, and it's like, what? Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, like, that's not a joke? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What does she want? Like, what's her end goal? Oh, nothing. And then it changes again, you know, later when she has technology. She's like, take me to your leader. He'll have to be, he'll have to be my boyfriend. (laughs) It's like, yeah, she's basically like the mirror universe lady that uh, Marlena there that Kirk interacts with. It's like she just, Mm. she just pops around between powerful people for, so that she's attached to a powerful person. Yeah, it's weird, right? That's her motive. Her motive is, I want to be with the strongest, which is like, uh... 
Well, right off the bat, she's not. So I don't know what right. she's right. I don't know what her deal is. And I don't like you're saying. What's the point yeah. of yeah. like rubbing those leaves on him to like be to make him under your control? Like, what purpose? I don't know. He I don't clearly know. isn't I'm... doing everything that you want him to do, anyways, right? No. Like, so no. what's the point? It's like, well, if you want to be with the strongest person on the planet, then you need to go find the uh, Mubatu. Like, <laughs> yeah, because even that, like later on, that whole mm-hmm. thing when she's trying to like seduce Kirk with those leaves, and then you know, then the Mobatu comes off the thing, yeah. and she's like, Oh no. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what you get. I don't what did you Yeah, what did you think was gonna happen? Why are you doing this here? <laughs> <laughs> even this even this scene where we're just we're just talking about was like they're following these guys, these villagers with with the guns. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, look at this! These are the bad guys that are killing us." Yeah, and then they're probably like, I don't know, 30, 40 feet away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's like, "Do you remember these leaves? Smell these leaves? Like, why are you doing? Why are you doing this here? <laughs> why here? <laughs> You're not safe here. Nope. nope. And you know." Care. You know what that does? It like puts him in this like state where he can't even like think. Like, right. think. It's yeah. like, wow, what are you stupid? Like, yeah, obviously. Like that's not even a question. She is stupid. It's basically <laughs> it's again, it's a yeah, it's a plot point for basically when when it's told there's people in the cave, she gets there first. Mm-hmm. Besides before him. Yeah. And she sees McCoy right. shooting Correct. phasers. So she, yeah. So she brags that she is a Khan Utu valued mm. by men because they they aid in achieving power. Tyree claims he accepted her because he cast a spell on him. She explains about many spells that she uses to keep him. She pulls out a sprig of leaves and rubs them on his face and arm, <laughs> driving the plant's contents into his skin. He is obviously affected by its presence. He grabs her and kisses her intensely. They are interrupted by a scout, Yutan, from the camp requesting their presence. Tyree is dazed by the plant, but Nona heads back. She asks Yutan to bring Tyree when his head has cleared. Yeah. I wish he started kissing the guy. <laughs> rubs she it on him, too. Little... <laughs> no, like, she rubs it on him, and then she, and then he's like, um, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> like, when he comes over, <laughs> it's so awkward. He comes over, and he's like, um, there's, there's a situation in camp. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. when you guys are like done here, like just go to the camp. <laughs> <laughs> when you're done uh, like, plant smooching, can you just like, can you go back to where we live? <laughs> yeah, there's a guy there. He's not doing so good. He says he knows you. <laughs> he just he just stares at him like he was staring at McCoy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> McCoy notes Kirk's struggles, hoping to keep him warm. He uses his phaser to heat rocks in the cave where Kirk lays. As he is heating the last of three stones, Nona returns and sees him firing the weapon. She is surprised and awed. She steps out of the cave, avoiding being seen by McCoy. As Tyree returns to to camp, Nona asks him to explain who these men are before she will help them. Tyree tells her that he promised Kirk silence. She says that she is his wife, and that she too will remain silent, or Kirk will die without her help. 
Oh, I get it. Like, it's totally fine that Kirk needs to be warm. It's, like, fine. I didn't <laughs> know McCoy, what was going like, on at first, Ian. McCoy, like, I don't think he even checks to see if anybody else is in the cave. He just starts shooting. Them. No, like, immediately. Oh, man. Well, then later on, like, when McCoy wakes up from his little nap, that cave is full of, like, torches. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, you couldn't be like, hello, sirs, can you put fire around him? <laughs> like, So, in that scene, um, the wall, the cave wall, mm-hmm. to me, it looked like there was, like, a door. Oh, it looked like it was a door, like a door seam, like for the set or something. There might have been. I oh. really don't know. I was thinking at this point that like she was working with the Klingons or like she was a Klingon. Yeah, it does seem like that. Yeah. Right. And so like they also had like this secret like access door to like this Klingon lab or something. <laughs> but that didn't happen. No. No, nothing but like yeah, that my... interest happened. No, that would have been that would have been too interesting. So McCoy looks at Kirk and Kirk's like shaking. Yeah. And he stands up and he starts shooting rocks. And I was like, what the heck is he doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I realized like, oh, he's creating heat stones. Okay. Heat stones. All right. I, I forget uh, what episode it is, but there's an episode where Sulu is trapped on a planet. And he's like freezing to death with the away team. And that's what he does. Is he, he phasers the rock to like heat him up. So I mean it makes sense. I just didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. I do like his acting though, of him like obviously he's pretending to shoot it and then he puts his hand out to like feel the warmth. Like at least he yeah. tries to like make it seem believable yeah. what he's doing. I like that. I like when he I like when he stands in the middle of all three and he's like, Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a this is efficient heat. And Kirk immediately is just like ah. <laughs> like oh it's so comforting oh so cozy <laughs> the warmth does not increase my blood pressure to keep the poison circulating faster through my life no 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 oh. that's not how that works <laughs> no not the mumbambu not the mumbambu <laughs> it needs freezing yeah. cold temperatures to act <laughs> Your face has to be as pale as their fur <laughs> for the poison to take its true effects. <laughs> uh, I called Kirk a brother, so therefore I cannot tell you anything. Ah, but therefore I am Kirk's sister. Therefore, yeah, uh, yeah, that was a really weird rational. Oh, well, you married me. I'm your wife, so that makes him my brother and your sister. Kiss me, brother. What? Back on the Enterprise, Nurse Chapel takes Spock's hand as she watches the medical panel. Dr. Mbenga walks in and Nurse Chapel quickly puts her puts Spock's hand down. Mbenga confronts her and assures her that Spock is concentrating on his healing and that is why his readings are so low. It is self-induced hypnosis. He says that Spock is aware of them and what they are saying, but that he cannot show it. He also says that Spock probably knows she was holding his hand. 
Nurse Chapel looks at him in surprise, then in embarrassment. Tyree and Nona enter the cave. She pulls out a mako root and holds <laughs> it above Kirk's chest. It moves in her hand. McCoy asks what it is. Nona replies that few know how to use it. Yeah, because the normal root, you would just like place it on the wound. Yeah, this one, though. This one, you have to like conjure the spirits. <laughs> I was like, uh, so our cool. injuries are inside the root now. <laughs> it's like, oh. And inside me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little like jelly. Uh huh. Whatever that was. She very clearly was like using her like yeah. pinky yeah. to like make it move, you know? Yeah, totally. Oh, it's moving. Oh my god. What are you doing with that? Where does that go? This will become um, his new hut. But this is the scene that I liked with Mbenga and Chapel. It was the closest in the episode that it felt uh-huh. like their characters from Strange New Worlds. Yep, I agree. It's, and But that was about it. And it's honestly yeah. really interesting slash amusing that it's interactions like this is how they it completely write all cool of Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like you were saying, that that ver- Strange New Worlds version of Spock is very much based on, like, this the scene where, like, Leonard Nimoy, like, smiles at that, like, plant. Yeah. Yeah, in the cage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, 100%. <laughs> you know, and there's other scenes, too, obviously, like, you know, his harp and that kind of stuff you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, him smiling at Jim, right, when he's alive, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It's cool. It would be a hard, it would be a hard feat, you know, I, I think to, like, write a new show based on before this and make it entertaining because right right a lot of the 60 stuff is so flat right it's very two-dimensional yeah it's very yeah and it's just like it's fine back in the 60s and 70s like this was fine it was cutting edge it was nice and it was enjoyable but like in the 2000 like the 2020s it's like um we need a lot more substance to our episodes to make it worth our time. Yeah, there's got to be triangles, and that's right. Tri- <laughs> there's got to be triangles. There's got to be D's. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the uh, probably the one that'll get the award at the end. Here's the scene. She offers yeah. Tyree her knife, and she cuts the palm of her hand. She puts the root on Kirk's bite, then places her hand over the root. Her blood and Kirk's blood mix through the Mako root. Nona flails about as if she is seeing what is going through Kirk's mind and, and his knowledge. Tyree mm-hmm. softly pounds on a drum. Yeah, the poison, that's what was happening. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. The poison is extracted and Kirk regains his consciousness, then promptly falls asleep. McCoy removes the root, showing that the injuries have been completely healed. Nona claims that Kirk belongs to her now. Tyree explains to McCoy that legend says that no man can refuse a woman who is joined with a man in this way. So without getting really into it, this scene is very, very, very bizarre. Yeah, it's weird. It's very clear that the angles and close-ups and shots that Mark Daniels chosen do not imply what... 
it's meant to be implied that her blood mm-hmm. and Kirk's blood are mixing and all this witchcraft stuff is happening. It doesn't look like that at all. So No. Well, you know, Star Trek has always been edgy for the 60s as far as, you know, stuff like this and getting away with stuff. So sure. what were you, you were saying a couple weeks ago? Um, they got past the censors like they they fed all the like all the censorship people (laughs) so they could show a belly button on television yeah so yeah i don't know how they i don't know what they did they must have fed them again this episode because i don't know i don't know i don't think they even talk about it in the in the extra so i don't i don't know how they got past what they were doing it's very over the top for the era for sure it honestly is and the other thing yeah. that, uh, to mention is that, like, she claims that Kirk is her guy now, just like Tyree, but, like, she yeah. doesn't have control over them and has to constantly use these plants. Yeah. Yeah, Tyree doesn't really do anything she says unless right. he's sniffing flowers. Right. And, you know, like you had like you had brought out when the recording wasn't taking place, that, like, <laughs> uh, Kirk... When McCoy talks to Kirk about it, Kirk's like, "Well, no, that's a that's super super superstition." Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't seem like anything happens with that at all. You know, right, right. It, like, I was it, waiting it for seems it like for a second, right? Like, oh, here it comes, but then nothing happens. So. Well, yeah, they imply it like because when McCoy wakes up, Kirk is like on her bed, sitting there. Oh. Yeah. Weirdly, right? Yeah. And he wakes up and he doesn't really know where he is. But then immediately yeah. he's like, Oh yeah, that's not a that's not a thing. Don't worry about that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh okay, good. It's a rough scene. It's a scene that I wish wasn't as long it's as, weird. as it is. It's very long. Yeah, it feels very long. And the thing, too, is, like, I'm fine with the wiggly root thing, and I'm fine with her, like, knowing, like, whatever, like, what do they call it, like, witch doctor medicine. Like, I'm fine Mm -hmm. with all that stuff. It's it's just how they go about it and how prolonged it is and how, I don't know, just very weird. It's a very, like, Native American thing. Yeah. But she could have just put her hand on the root on the bite and just like said a few words. And then that would have been the end of it. Right. Right. She doesn't need to like writhe around weirdly. Right. Kalima. (laughs) Kalima. Oh God. What's he doing? What's he? (laughs) Kalima. Yeah. Kalima. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was weird. Weird scene. So we're at the halfway point. So Caleb, you tell them what to write down in the comment section. Kali Mambu. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. You you can figure out spell it however you want. I yeah, know. you spell it however you want. We'll know. <laughs> It'd be really funny Kali... if, somebody wrote <laughs> if somebody wrote it, and then next yeah. week we're talking about next week's episode. I'm like, hey, so from subscriber this. He says, Kali Mambu. <laughs> <laughs> I hope somebody changes their screen name to like Kali Mambu Membenga. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I will. That's pretty good. That's a good screen name. That's a mouthful. Kali Mambu Membenga.
McCoy wakes up to find Kirk missing, but discovers that Kirk is sitting in the next room. As he rouses Jim, Tyree stands. <laughs> Kirk and Tyree are reunited. Kirk remembers noting since the animal attack. <laughs> Kirk remembers nothing since the animal attack, but he knew that Tyree could find a Konutu to heal him. Kirk asks Tyree to tell him about the weapons the enemy has acquired. Tyree assures him that he will hear everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some Chinese guy dropped him off. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that, though. I do like that. I'm glad that you that you also thought it was strange because he's like, he's like Jim, Jim, or like, are you there? And he's like, <clears throat> yeah. oh, he's just waking him up. Like, oh, okay. And again, these people love staring at people because, like, yeah, he stared at Kirk, and Kirk stared at him, and he's like. Is that my friend Jim? And he's like, Is that my friend? Oh, hello, friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they greet each other. That's the thing uh-huh. we don't understand. That's how they. It's a little inside they joke they have. Is that yeah. my friend? Is that <laughs> my friend? <laughs> I just picture the two. I just picture the two of them like on separate like hills, you know? Yeah. Like, Is that oh, my friend? Like- like, is that my friend? That's <laughs> <laughs> how they greet, you know? Uh, What's your name? Yeah, exactly. Ezekiel. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? What's your name? Tony. <laughs> is that my friend? <laughs> oh, I oh, love God. it. I love, I love, I love the more off the rails it gets. So stupid. That's what's uh, going to happen is the first the first 20 minutes of our podcast is going to be fine, and then the last 30 minutes of our podcast is going to be off the yeah. rails. Like the yeah. podcast. Well, this is, that's, we've reached the point where the episode itself goes off the rails. So. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Back I on didn't the write inter- it. Yeah, well, sorry. Somebody Back had to inter- change his name because of how badly it was written. <laughs> <laughs> Back on the Enterprise, Spock's readings fluctuate but have improved. Dr. Mbenga tells Spock that someone will constantly be at his bedside. Mbenga tells Nurse Chapel that if Spock awakes, she is to do whatever he asks. Tyree tells Kirk that the fire sticks arrived about a year ago and that the villagers are producing them. McCoy asks if any strangers have been seen with them. Tyree answers in the negative. Kirk then asks if they can spy on the enemy during the night. Tyree warns about the Mugatu, which travel at night. Since McCoy mm-hmm. killed one earlier, its mate will not be far. Much like Tyree's and, mate. Yeah. <laughs> she travels at night. She certainly does. And yeah. the only time we've seen them has been during the day. <laughs> yeah. They, only, they travel heavily at night, but they're very active during the day. Nona walks to the table, alluding to the fact that Kirk and McCoy have enough tools and strengths to make Tyree a very powerful man on Neural. Kirk explains to her that they are simply visitors from another village. She interrupts him and claims that they come from the sky and that they have powers far above fire sticks. Tyree warns her to not speak about any of this with anyone. Nona claims that the act of kindness she did brings her the right to be rewarded. 
Kirk admits he is grateful, but explains that his people's weapons grew faster than their wisdom. This leads to his vague explanation of General Order 1. Nona assumes that this implies that Kirk will not help them. She is disgusted. Tyree understands the issue and yet refuses to kill anyone. McCoy mentions to Jim that it could be the Klingons who have dabbled in this conflict and that there may be a way to balance things out. But that possibility disturbs Kirk. I think the biggest thing is that <laughs> basically that Kirk is like entertaining the idea of like arming these pacifist people, like these nonviolent people. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very weird. I, I was confused too, like when you first see like the villagers. Mm-hmm. I was just like, why are they, they live in these, like, houses. Right. And, you know, Kirk's friends, they all live in caves. So it's like, what would they, what would they possibly want from them? Right, exactly. Like, they're civilized, they live in houses, they, you know. Yeah. He even brings out later that they, like, trade and stuff. Like, that's what they do. Yeah. Well, when that that guy in charge is talking about the Klingon guy later too. He's he's like, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think my people would like killing each other, but it turns out they do because they don't <laughs> want to do any of the work themselves. They like they no. like taking stuff. It's like they like to hurt them. <laughs> cool. Well, there's like twelve of them, right? So like you're gonna run out of stuff to take, you know? Yep. Yeah, this episode doesn't do a good job of explaining what the point of any of it is. Yeah. Other than the fact that it's just happening and Kirk has to respond to it because he's friendly with this guy. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Tyree, McCoy, and Kirk make their way to the other village. Kirk knocks out a guard and Tyree takes the man's gun. An enemy villager named Appella walks into a room with a Klingon, Krell, inside. The Klingon tells him to bring in the man who did the most killings because... He is to be rewarded as an example to the others. He offers the man another improvement to the flintlock weapon. He mentions other improvements that will make the weapon more effective and more accurate. So I'm uh, pretty sure, without really getting into it, I'm pretty sure that the same shot where they're like looking over the thing and the guard is like walking with the with the rifle. Mm-hmm. It's like it. It looks exactly like the Organian like village that they fate you know remember in the episode when the Klingons invade? Yes. It looks exactly like that. Yeah, it does. Um he chokes that guy out, take the gun, they go in. Now you see the Klingon. The Klingon looks a lot more Klingon than they did last episode, right? The last time you saw him in triples, he actually looks like a fake Klingon again. <laughs> Yeah, he looked good. That's like the one thing this episode like gets right is the Klingons look good. Yeah. Also, his mentality is like really good. I like that. I mean, I'm not for what he suggests by any stretch of the mean, but I like how awful he is. Is that the appellate yeah. guy comes in and he's like, well, 
well, I'm sorry that I'm late. It's hard to divide one woman to men, like 12 men or whatever he says. And he's like, well, just give the woman to the man who killed the most. And he's like, excellent. And it's like, that's a pretty disgusting thing to do. So I like that the Klingon guy, Krell here, was uh, pretty awful. And that's why, like, at the end of the day, I can let go this like plot hole of like why is he doing this like why what's his well because mm-hmm. he's a Klingon and he doesn't care this is what they do right he likes causing mischief right right and I also like too when he said to him uh you know we'll come back you know if you keep doing good you'll become a governor for the Klingon Empire and and then if you continue to even do even better We'll give you more improvements when we return. We'll give you like rifle barreling. Uh, and he's like, or no, barrel, right? Whatever he calls it. And the guy's like, what? And he's like, oh, a way to make it shoot better and farther. And he's like, excellent. Yeah. So he never explained like what any of the, the parts are on the gun. No. So that's, that's good. No. Right. Even Kirk does. Yeah. Well, this is the flint. This is the striker. (laughs) (laughs) McCoy and Kirk continue their spying. They find coal for forging and sulfur, which is used in making gunpowder. They enter the building and find the forge, some drill points and barrels of extremely high quality, none of which could have been manufactured by the planet's inhabitants. It is further proof that the Klingons have been providing these weapons. Voices can be heard outside, forcing Kirk and McCoy to hide. The Klingon man and Appella enter, discussing the rewards for bravery and conquest. Krell assures that rewards will be granted, including power over the planet, and making Appella a governor in the Klingon Empire someday. Here's the real, here's the real thing. Okay. They end up getting away from these guys. You think they're going to get caught, but they end up getting away, right? McCoy and Kirk. Yeah. Great. They have now physically seen and heard the Klingon talk about giving them things and, like, doing things. Immediately, they, they could return to the Enterprise, contact Starfleet Command, and be like, this is happening with the thing. And, like, instead of arming Tyree's people with rifles, immediately involve the Federation and be like, we need to go in and like take, basically take the rifles by force. Just take them. Yeah. Yeah. And like blow up the. Right. And like the forging things, you know? Right. And like remove the Klingons with force from the planet. It's not, it's not like, it's that is much more of a viable decision and choice and a more morally agreeable choice than to arm Tyree's men with similar weapons so that these two sides can continue, continuously fight for what, for what reason? Yeah, They don't right. give you any reason why, why this planet is important to the Federation, why it's important to the Klingons. It's like, not. yeah, exactly. It's not. Kirk has Kirk has an investment there because he spent years there and made friends. You know, like that's it. That's the only reason. Yeah. 
Because like you said, if you took all the guns and weapons away, like would they continue to fight? I don't know. What are they, what are they even fighting about now? You know, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand what they're what they're even like fighting for. It it just seems like they've become the villagers have like become raiders, and they're just going in and like stealing. I yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. As the men are talking, McCoy's tricorder is somehow activated. It's high-pitched whirring sound announcing their presence. Kirk leaps from behind the forge and attacks Krell, causing him to discharge the flintlock rifle he carries. It fires harmlessly into the floor. A fight ensues, and though they defeat Appella and the Klingon, they are caught at the door by two more men with rifles. Yeah, barely. So... Yeah, barely. Let's do trivia. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So although the script specifies that the planet is named Neural, that name is never mentioned in the episode itself. Similarly, Krell's name is never mentioned either. Mm -hmm. In Don Ingalls' original story outline, the Klingon antagonist was Kor from the episode Errand of Mercy, which was the Klingon from the Organian episode. Ah, yes. In a May 26, 1967 memo, Bob Justman criticized this point, writing, Here we all here we are in the outer reaches of our galaxy, and who should Captain Kirk run into but good old Kor, an adversary that he has encountered before, and with whom he has been unable to get very to get very far. Just think of it. Billions of stars and millions of class M type planets. And who should be who should he run into but a fella he has had trouble with before? No wonder Kor mm. doesn't recognize him at first. The coincidence is so astounding that he must feel certain that it couldn't possibly have happened. In Don <laughs> Ingalls's second draft story outline, the character's name was changed to Krell. Mm. So yeah, so Bob Justman basically was like, uh, what a stupid idea to have the same exact Klingon show up again and always cause Kirk a problem. Like, perhaps mm. maybe a different Klingon because it's space. <laughs> mm. Yeah, pretty funny. That is funny. It, it's funny too that it's also like it's always Klingons. Oh yeah, you know Probably. it couldn't be like some other like unknown. Yeah couldn't be like an andorian doing something or you know no okay so this is the part we're gonna just dig in a little bit so the episode was intended as a commentary on the ongoing vietnam war Mm -hmm. and uh don don ingles's original contained much more over vietnam analogies analogies uh than what finally appeared so according to Alan Asherman's The Star Trek uh, Cop- Copiendum, this script referred to Appella, the guy that the Klingon was just talking to, as a Ho Chi Minh type, and the tribesmen were wearing Mongolian clothes. And though mm-hmm. he was friends with Gene Roddenberry since their days as uh, Los Angeles police officers, Don Ingalls did not like the changes and changed his name to... Judd Crucis. So 
the interesting thing is, is they both, both Don Ingalls and Gene Roddenberry were pilots in World War II that flew like B-17s. They didn't work, they didn't interact with each other, but they both did the same thing. They were in the Air Force and they did the same thing. And then flash forward in the 50s, Gene Roddenberry and Don Ingalls end up working together in the LAPD. Oh, wow. And that's how they met each other. And they both wanted to, they both had aspirations to like be writers and like do Mm -hmm. things for Hollywood. And Don Ingalls left the force first and then Gene Roddenberry did too. So they knew each other. So he had like a friendship with this guy. But Mm -hmm. the thing that is supposed to be with this episode, which is to help like basically understand it. And I think... I don't think it's going to change how you feel about it. This is the point where you're going to go like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Is Appella's men with the flintlocks and Tyree's men with the bows and arrows. The flintlock guys are North Korea and North Vietnam. And Tyree's men are South Vietnam and South Korea. And the Federation okay. Kirk's people are America. And the Klingons are like Russia. Okay. Where, where Russia in real life was supplying, like, the other side with weapons, like heavy, like advanced weaponry that these individuals didn't have, and America was doing the same with the other side, and that's what was happening. So you had two world powers interacting with basically people that it didn't need to over really nothing. Gotcha. So it's a very big comment on those wars, which is why Kirk even brings it up. He's like, hey, do you remember the brush wars in the 20th century when they fought on the Asian continents? And he's like, yeah. So that's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. It didn't stand out to me when I was watching it, but, you know, I'm not like a history major either, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but that's also why it ends so open-endedly and so like we don't know how to resolve this problem because the Vietnam War was like still yeah. happening and like America was showing no signs of like discontinuing. So, mm-hmm. so they're basically saying like we don't know what the correct answer is, but you know, right? But it's wrong. Like what's it's happening wrong. is wrong, both, but we don't both know. Both sides the, is wrong. Yeah, but we don't know the solution. <laughs> so here's what you'll really like the original script called the creature a gumatu (laughs) but DeForest Kelly kept saying it wrong so it was changed gumatu (laughs) the credits still retain the original name did you see like the pictures of the rabbit and suit and like any of the thumbnails like a giant rabbit no. Okay, there's an episode called Shore Leave where the, the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland shows up. Okay. And uh, excellent. the footprints that they look at for the Mugatu's prints are uh, from the the, the, the like rabbit suit. bunny suit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to use the the foot from the actual no, 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 no. creature suit, you know? No, because he's probably wearing sneakers and they, they just had like overlays. <laughs> oh, he's absolutely wearing sneakers, man. 
<laughs> Despite directing 10 episodes of the series previously, this is the first time Mark Daniels got the film on location with Star Trek. The majority of the episode's location scenes were filmed at the Bell Ranch, separating mm-hmm. the San Fernando Valley from Simi Valley, with additional filming at Paramount Pictures' B-Tank, where the village set stood previously built for another production. This yeah, is I noticed the- in, in the beginning of the episode when they're flying around the planet and the planet looks very much like Earth. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. they like are on the planet surface and it's, it's very much like California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the only episode in season two to not have a happy ending music. But they still get a good ribbing on Spock. So, A little bit. This is the only episode in which Spock and Kirk are both incapacitated in two separate incidences with different causes for an overlapping time period. Wow. <laughs> and the only other thing I thought was really interesting was... This is how, to me, this is how crazy this is. So, Don Ingalls writes Tyree's Woman in April of 1967. So, it went from literally eight, almost a full year of that guy writing it to it being on the screen. It went like 10 months. Hmm. And it's still, it's still this kind of garbagey. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Yeah, there must have been a lot of other stuff they had to, like, look at and fix. Yeah, apparently whatever whatever this guy was putting in the story, which probably honestly would have helped it about saying how much he mm-hmm. disliked the Vietnam War, like Gene Roddenberry yeah. didn't like, and went in and, like, changed what he felt was not necessary or didn't like, and then left the episode to be this, like, weird, unfulfilling episode. Well, it's also the 60s, so... In the grand scheme of things, like a bad female character didn't really—that's just standard. So who yeah. cares if she? If she's no, you're right. Awful. No, you're right. But yeah, of course she's bad. She's a woman. See, yeah, see, yeah. <laughs> All right, that was trivia. Let's get into the conclusion. They escape by clubbing the men with fists and gun barrels as they run. Voices cry out that intruders are in the village. The men are chased through the streets of the village with the villagers firing their flintlocks at the fleeing Kirk, McCoy, and Tyree. In sickbay, Spock partially arises from his hypnosis. He calls to Nurse Chapel and and asks her to strike him. At first, she refuses, but does so to appease his request. (laughs) Spock barely feels her first few strikes. He asks her to hit him harder. He explains that the pain... (laughs) will help him return to consciousness. She then hits him repeatedly much harder. Yeah, Stop that trying to hit me and hit me. <laughs> that first that first one she's like, oh. and he's just like harder. I'm like, there's no way that's what you would say to her. You would be like, what what it was that? That's if I said to hit me and you just glance your fingers on my cheek, it's like mm-hmm. no. No. That's because she loves him. <laughs> <laughs> and she wants to kiss him. Yeah. And then as soon as he stands up, he's like, I'm much better than this chapel. Thank you. That'll be all. And she's like, uh-huh. Yep. Of course. Yeah. I love that part. That was actually funny. That made me laugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're better. All right. You stupid. <laughs> Pig. <laughs> I did like that. I like that a lot, actually. 
Yeah. It says, just then, Scott enters the room and, assuming Spock is under attack, restrains Nurse Chapel. Dr. Mbenga runs into the room and pulls Spock into a sitting position. He slaps Spock in the face with great swings. After several strikes, Spock catches his hand and explains <laughs> that he is sufficiently revived. Witnessing this bizarre ritual, Scott questions the practice. Spock and Mbenga tell him that it is a natural Vulcan response to self-healing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I really love... I love... There's not a lot of Scotty in this episode. No. But the few Scotty <laughs> parts are very good. Yeah. Um, what are you, daft woman? What are you, what are you doing, you stupid girl? <laughs> and he grabs her and then Mbenga immediately runs and starts beating him in the face. I loved it. I love that whole sequence. Oh. Ah, yes, I'm feeling much better now. Basically, like, you have to keep hitting Spock until he grabs your hand. That's how you know. Okay, I like Star Trek. And I think Star Trek <laughs> is cool. And I yeah. I think a lot of the original series episodes um, are really decent and sometimes yeah. don't get as much fanfare as they should because of other <laughs> stuff down the road. But of the stuff we've just been talking, like watching over these last few months, they make up a lot of crazy stuff. This is like the dumbest thing <laughs> that they've put out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole like undulating, writhing woman thing in the beginning was like mm-hmm. too much. Yeah. This is just straight up like a Leslie Nielsen movie. Where she is leaning over Spock <laughs> and slapping him, and he's like, harder, harder. And then Scotty comes in for no reason. Why yeah, why is he come into the sick bay? No, well, because engineering is right down the hall, you know, he was walking no, by. No, no, no. <laughs> he pulls her off, thinking that mm. she's assaulting Spock. It's like, okay, yeah. okay, whatever. And Benga then runs in because somehow he knows that this is yeah. happening. Did I hear someone stop hitting Spock? <laughs> Not on my watch. <laughs> he pulls Spock up, and then he begins to, like, insanely slap him. <laughs> and Spock, Spock is like, thank you, Doctor, that was sufficient. I'm now fine. It's the most Monty Python nonsense that you would expect. Of just being like, yeah. oh, my organs are mutilated and I might be, yeah. they might be gone. But you just got to slap me in the face a few times after I I'm, I concentrate really hard. Well, so here's healing. Here's why, though, is because after the crazy, um, you know, yeah, scene in the cave, you know, mm-hmm. and then in Benga says, hey, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. <laughs> so they had to tell you like at the end like that's not a sexual thing it's a uh we have to make that very clear yeah <laughs> we have to make that very clear after what happened in the beginning of this episode that that's a that's a medical thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the reasonings for everything is like it's so off the rails. it's like the it's off the rails the, the vulcan the vulcans are like okay they're aliens they're strong they have different physiology i get it but then every time there's like something crazy it's like oh yes so he had to be 
mentally strong enough to decide that he wanted to live and he had to fight through his coma. Yeah. And right when he's on the verge of his coma, whether he's on the brink of death or not, he has to be hit so that he can focus on that pain and not dying. And that's how Vulcans do it. Like, what? <laughs> that's how they do it. <laughs> what do you I mean? What I do can't you mean? Wait. I can't wait for Dr. House to discover that Sova is like oh, he is not okay after this last night's RPG. Uh-huh. And then and then Sova's like, the only way for me to self-heal is for me to concentrate, Doctor, and then you do what I require. Oh, and yeah. I'm gonna... Cut his house just bashing in Sova's face. I'm going to beat the crap out of him. Just, you wait. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Uh, <laughs> it's just... I love Spock. I'm so happy that Mbenga is a thing in Strange New Worlds. I love fleshing out, like, nobody background characters that are in like one or two episodes. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's awesome to see another black character in Star Trek, you know, have like a significant role in the ship and he's not belittled for being a different color. No, I love, yeah, I love that. I love that. I love it. But it is the most, it is one of the dumbest scenes we have watched so far. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of really dumb scenes in this and, episode specifically. Yes, correct. So I'm sorry to any of the private little war fans out there, but there's none. Kind of stinks. There's none. On the planet, Kirk explains to Tyree and his men how to use a flintlock weapon and how to work the trigger and hammer. Tyree brings the weapon to his shoulder and fires it, shattering a clay cup on his first shot. McCoy mm-hmm. requests to speak to Kirk about his new development. He is intensely upset that Kirk has now introduced these weapons to both sides in the battle. Kirk defends his decision. McCoy reminds him about the power that Nona supposedly has over him. Kirk explains that they must equalize the fighting forces even though McCoy is worried about a never-ending war. They discuss the 20th century brush wars on Earth and how it led to the balance of power. They struggle with their decisions, but know there is no better way. Since Tyree refuses to fight, they hope to convince Nona to sway him. I actually I really enjoyed this scene. Okay. Of, of all the stuff in this episode this scene really like stood out to me with, you know, McCoy and Kirk, like having this very open, genuine conversation. And it it just proved, you know, like nobody's right in this situation, you know? Right. Um, Because it's one of those things where that happens all the time where McCoy is like, no, you can't do this. This is, and then Kirk's like, well, what do you suggest? You, you give me, you tell me. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I, I have no idea. It's like, well, then shut up, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, yeah, totally. And then that point to where McCoy says, well, here's, here's another thing for you to consider then. Kirk, oh, yeah. That, uh, Agony or something. Your, your, your friend will be the first one to die. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's, that's harsh. Yeah, that's true. Cause he doesn't want to fight to begin with. So, you know, he's going to be the first. Yeah. First one to go. First to go, yep. Mm, I just thought that was a really good point. 
Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. They make they. It's like a thing where it's weird that Kirk is so pushed on giving weapons to these guys when it's like it's not a hundred percent necessary to do that. Like they have yeah. other options. It's not like Kirk and McCoy are endlessly stuck on the planet and they have no. to help these guys in in like a pinch. It's no, like yeah, no, exactly. you can wait for Scotty to return with the Enterprise and then deal with this on a Federation scale. Like, let this be a giant government problem rather than a singular individual's problem. Yeah. But other than that, the points that McCoy makes to him and how Kirk feels about it, like, it makes sense. Basically, like, you know, you come up with a solution then. If you, if you're so against this, what, what do you propose? Yeah. Well, nothing. Okay. Great. (laughs) Yeah. Spock returns to the bridge as the Enterprise re-enters orbit. They are approaching the rendezvous time. They also detected a Klingon is beaming back to his ship. Kirk follows Nona to a waterfall, but she believes that she willed Kirk to be there. She pulls out the same leaves she used on Tyree and begins tempting him. Kirk simply wants to talk. He is obviously affected in the same way as Tyree, who happens upon the two of them. His jealousy is aroused, but Kirk walks away from Nona, (laughs) only to return to her. Tyree raises his gun and cocks the hammer. Kirk and Nona kiss, but Tyree can't bring himself to fire. He throws the weapon to the ground and runs into the trees. (laughs) She's a pretty cool character, you know. I like her. Yeah, she's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. I did like that it wasn't an immediate like smelling the leaf thing and he was like, Oh my god, I wanna have your babies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he was just like I, I like that he kind of resisted it a little bit. So Yeah. I just like that he was like, No, I, I wanna I came here to talk. He's like, Oh yes. Yes, I'm sure you did. He's like, No, no, seriously. He's like, Oh, what's that? Hmm. What's that smell? <laughs> when Tyree picks up the rifle I was about to be like so this guy won't kill anybody no even though they're killing all of his people constantly and invading his territories and doing all these terrible things and clearly taking women and doing terrible things to them but he sees Uh. Kirk and his wife kissing yeah and he's like well I'm gonna have to kill Kirk well that's kind of the Duality of man, isn't it? I I guess. I'm just glad he didn't shoot because I, I I just to me it would I, I wouldn't have liked it. I would have liked it much better. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a funny it's just a funny scene. He just he throws the rifle like a little yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like runs away. Yeah, he yeah, runs yeah. in the village and they're like, "What are you doing? Where's your gun?" He's like, "I threw it." I threw it away. And I'm like, well, that's a heck of a place to leave it. <laughs> yeah. Like, where is it? And it's over there. Well, take us to it. Like, <laughs> and then he like he's gonna like run. Yeah. Like, show everybody where it is. And then when oh, that, when then when the guy goes ridiculous. to hand it to him, right? He goes to hand it to him. He goes, no, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. I threw it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about it here. So, as Tyree flees, a Mugatu appears and makes its way to attack Kirk and Ona. Kirk is dazed by the effects of the leaves and cannot help her. 
The animal pushes her around repeatedly, but Kirk finally pulls out his phaser to vaporize the creature. As he is still recovering, Nona hits him on the head with a stone and takes the weapon. Tyree returns to camp. McCoy notices he no longer has his gun. After asking him about it, McCoy asks him to take him back to where he left it. When they arrive, they find Kirk rubbing his head and still fighting off the the effects of the plant. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, 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 that hurts so bad. (laughs) Right, the Gorn. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Somebody hit me with coconut. <laughs> it's just bad writing. It is. Oh, it totally. She, she steals the phaser. Like, okay, great. I I get it. You know, right. Like she's obsessed with like a better weapon. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Right. She steals the thing. Mm-hmm. And doesn't even know how to doesn't even know how to work it. No. And immediately runs into a group of bad guys and starts taunting them. Yeah. And it's like you don't even know how to use the the weapon, genius. No. I don't know. And everything in this scene like just irritated. Me. You know, you know when like a character irritates you. Yes. And like everything they do irritates Every, you. Everything, yeah. So even like the way she was holding the phaser was like very irritating to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She's got it like she's got her hands all like twisted up like weirdly around it. It's yeah. like, what are you doing? What are you doing, you crazy girl? You crazy. <laughs> you crazy lady. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Here's the and part you're talking like, about. Uh, Nona uh, runs to the enemy villagers. She asks them to take her to Apella because he will know how to use the new weapon. She brandishes the phaser and shows it off to them. The men know she is a Kan-Utu, and they only want her for themselves. They surround her, and she begins to fight them. McCoy offers to give Kirk an injection from his hypospray. He refuses and discovers that his phaser is missing. They realize that Nona has taken it. Nona tells the villagers that the weapon she holds is more powerful than their fire sticks. They continue to fight her. As the fighting continues, Tyree, McCoy, and Kirk catch up to them. Tyree calls out to Nona. The villagers think it is a trap set for them. They stab Nona and throw her to the ground. (laughs) A gunfight ensues and McCoy is struck in the arm, but it is only a simple nick. Tyree and Kirk fight the men. A distraught Tyree catches his wife's assailant and bludgeons the man to death with a rock only stopping when Kirk physically restrains him. McCoy informs them that Nona is dead. So, a really perfect example, and I don't, I'm sure this will hit some sort of YouTube issue, but she does the thing you're talking about where, like, she's just being an idiot with these guys and all this stuff, and then those guys just are like, okay, well, what we're going to do is take the weapon from you and then do the thing that I don't want to say the word, but that's clearly yeah. what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he's holding the one, one of them is holding her, like restraining her to get the weapon. And then the other guy comes up and kisses her. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just like a, a fight to get this thing away from her. It's like, they're clearly going to do more. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So they're really bad people. Like yeah, more than just really... going around and killing people, they're also doing they're just they're just awful at all times. 
yeah it's really fun it's a really fun scene yeah it's a really fun um, scene when she just keeps like screaming and yeah. moving yeah, into the same area you know and then yeah. like, doesn't use the phaser ever no. and no i was hoping and then <laughs> they're like it's a trap killer <laughs> yeah <stab. laughs> like what yeah, the thing I the thing I thought was going to happen because I remember that she died. I just didn't remember how she died, and I remember things vaporizing in this episode, but I forgot it was the Mugatus. So I thought what was going to happen is she was going to try to shoot one of the guys, and it was going to vaporize herself. Mm, and it's like one of those good. things of oh, like, like the bum, like nice. the bum, yeah, yeah, nice. And, and I thought it was, I thought it was going to be like a fitting thing, like the person who wants the most power. Who claims they have the most power over men and then gets something of high power that like she could put over on the men, like ends mm-hmm. up killing her. Like that would yeah. have been a neat analogy to go through, but instead well, no. it's, it's a quick same thing. thing. Same thing kind of happened. She she's obsessed with like power and she uses men to get her way and she ends yeah. up dying sure. from a man. So. Yeah. It's just pretty brutal for them to be like, oh, it's a trap. You're dead. <laughs> well, you know, the other the other thing too is it's like so it's like she's married to this dude. Yeah. Then she tries to seduce Kirk. She gets the phaser and she immediately runs away and now she's gonna join the other side. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because, because they have so much more power. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you give it to them. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. I don't. I just. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't. I don't know I don't why they thought it was. Killed. What's that? I don't have a problem with her getting killed in the episode. Well, like, sure. I but I just meant like I don't understand why they even wrote it the way that they wrote this. Like, what are what does this any of this mean? Like, what's the point know. of it? Yeah. I don't know. Just imagine, though, just to remind you, just imagine there is another episode within Benga, and I'm not going to show it to you. And it's worse, you said. Correct. That's fun. Tyree is angered and asks Kirk for more weapons. He no longer has a desire for peace. (laughs) McCoy returns the phaser to Kirk. They are upset about the outcome, but there was no other option. Kirk calls to the ship, and Spock responds. McCoy is almost surprised to hear that Spock is alive, but then tells him that a computer could never die. Got him. Mm-hmm. Which isn't true, because computers... Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Constantly die? Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> he, almost, he almost hands that phaser back to Kirk, like, well, here you go, Kirk, you got what you wanted. Oh, yeah, totally. All because of this, you stupid idiot. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I want every gun you have. Yeah. I already killed the man who killed my wife, but I want to kill the rest of the men that were involved in killing my wife. And my wife. Who, yeah. <laughs> the other people who think about killing my wife. Anyone who thinks about killing wives, I would like them to be dead. well here's the last part so we can end this stupid episode it says Kirk asks Scott to construct a hundred flintlocks rifles for the people 
Scott is confused about the request, but Kirk changes his request to serpents. Serpents mm-hmm. for the Garden of Eden. Yeah. He adds, we're very tired, Mr. Scott. Beam us up home. The Enterprise <laughs> leaves Neural's orbit and heads off into space. Mm. Yeah. And so just like that, we <laughs> end the episode. <laughs> Um, this is the other part that I really enjoyed, Scotty. Um, like I said, he's only in the episode twice. Yeah. So him like grabbing Chapel is funny to me, and then this scene where he kind of like looks at Spock and he's like, "Uh, I clearly didn't understand what you said, Captain." Yeah. And Kirk's like, oh, yeah, I need serpents. And he's like, oh, gotcha. <laughs> Got it. Like, he says, yeah, it's like, dude, he's like, yeah, we need flintlocks, Scotty. We need 100 flintlocks. And Scotty's like, what? And he's like, yeah, serpents. Like, oh, now I'm now I totally, totally on board with you now. Oh, gotcha. Oh, you want a whole oh. bunch of serpents from the garden? Oh, of okay. <laughs> Got it. <Sends> the- <laughs> And you're left should wondering, make, uh, do they send the flintlocks down make the thing? Should make the thumbnail for this video like a box of snakes on this like planet. <laughs> uh, ah, so stupid. Yeah. So that concludes the episode for us to never talk about again. Well, before we talk about next week, let's do everybody's favorite thing. Caleb. Caleb. Not much. No. So, Caleb, who gets the Erica Ortegas Award for being most unlikable? No, Nona, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That probably wasn't really a big stumper, was it? No. No. No, I came to that conclusion pretty pretty quickly. Honestly. You're like, oh, I, I know who I'm going to pick. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who gets the Elizabeth Cutler Award for being most forgettable? I was thinking, like, maybe Chekhov. Okay. But at least he was in the episode. Yeah. I was thinking personally, but you don't have to pick this choice because Chekhov is totally fine. But I personally, I was thinking probably Krell because it's like he's the Klingon uh, guy, but then it's like, so what? Yeah, he has right. a couple lines and then he, that's that's like it. But it not matter. Yeah, he gets, like, pushed once. Yeah, let's do that. You want to pick him? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Who gets the Trip Tucker Award for being the MVP? McCoy. Because okay. at least McCoy was like on the planet and he helped Kirk and kind of was his uh like good conscience the whole time, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay, what gets the Shran Award for being the best action sequence? Probably the fight at the end with all the guys fighting each other. Okay. That all was right. pretty good. I like it. And they did the uh they played oh, yeah. the arena, the arena music. So Yeah. Kind of tells they the did. audience that, that that was great. the exciting part, you know? Yeah. What gets the NX award for some sweet ship stuff? I like the rifles, the the flintlock rifles I enjoyed. Okay. 
Yeah. I thought they were cool. It's I, just I, funny to me that the Klingons like knew like, hey, we can't just give these guys like high tech stuff that we have. So let's right. let's build them this old gun technology. Right. Like, okay. like let's mess with their development but not too much yeah like let's advance them by like like she says uh 12 centuries between the two developments so it's like eh, you know what are a few centuries of adve- development rather than just immediately giving them like phase rifles or something yeah it's a weird episode for sure which is going to go right into what gets the Porthos Award for the cheesiest thing of the episode. The first time we see Nona. Okay. She comes around the corner of the bush and she takes out her knife and she like picks up that root. Yeah. And she goes on this like diatribe of like okay well they have guns and they have this and it was like this very like over the top thing and it was like immediately I was like oh she's gonna be she's gonna be good (laughs) she does this thing like when she first is talking she's doing this weird like hand gesture I kind of I kind of remember yeah that sets up like the whole rest of the episode oh yeah yeah it, yeah, that's a great that's a great scene to pick because honestly, um, it it really sets forth like how awful she's going to be, but not in the sense of like oh she's a bad character, therefore this is going to be interesting. It's oh this is how poorly this character is written and how uncomfortably awkward it's going to be to watch the rest of this episode every time she's in the scene. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, it, there's a lot of other like easy scenes to pick, but sure, sure, sure. Yeah, like Spock getting slapped is easily really cheesy, but yeah. well, yeah, and the whole but, the whole cave scene is ridiculous. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, but to your point is that is like the catalyst scene to that goes forth, and it's also a scene that's relevant where the Spock stuff on the ship is like. It's kind of a thing, but who really cares? Yeah, it doesn't do anything, right? It just keeps Spock incapacitated. That's all yeah. it does. It's lazy writing. It's just lazy writing, all the way around. Yep. Okay, so with that comment, what gets the Enterprise Award for being the best scene of the episode? <laughs> I think Kirk and McCoy having that discussion in the cave about the war, like arming each side and. Okay, I, I think that's the best scene in the episode because so the because they, they do it twice. So the one in the cave or the one where they're outside, like towards the end of the episode. No, it's the one where that it kind of gets heated, right? Where he hits okay, the, yeah, in the cave, the table, and yeah, okay. They both express like good and bad on both. Yeah, know? yeah. I think that's a pretty good scene. It, it, it really shows. Scene. You know, they're both they both act pretty good. It's good. Well. I appreciate you going through the award ceremony and giving out the awards for a not-so-great episode. 
But this was just our opinion and our thoughts of the episode. So you can go down to the comment section and write what you thought of the episode. Do you like it? You know, uh, what do you like about it? What What are your arguments if you if you think it's a good episode? Interested to hear about them. And if you're like us and you think it's one of the weaker episodes that we've covered, you know, write that in the comments below too. Let us know what you also think is not the best. It's okay to like a franchise, but also not like all episodes produced. It's just how things go. Yeah. True. Next week's episode will not be like this. Next week's episode will be the ultimate computer. <laughs> Sweet. It will be at least a departure from this. And so if you liked the video, if you liked what you watched here, like it. If you disliked it, dislike it. Share it with all your friends and families and Trek enthusiasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and ring that bell for notifications so you can catch when this episode comes out, usually weekly, or you can catch other episodes on the channel like Star Trek History, which comes out weekly, or the RPG, which is just uh, another episode just came out a few days ago. So that's why we ask you to ring that bell so you don't miss it. And as always, you can go over to Caleb's channel. And Caleb's channel had the release of our Dragon Ball podcast. Yep. We finish up the General Blue saga. We do. That was pretty cool. And um, since it's the end of a saga, oh. Will answers questions like I do on this show every week. That's true. Well, that's fun. Yeah. So it's pretty pretty fun because just like Caleb over here with me he's not super familiar with Star Trek so he's kind of going through it bit by bit and just like me on over on his channel I'm not that familiar with Dragon Ball so we go through it bit by bit yeah. and you get you get a experienced person's viewpoint just like this with a person who's not super familiar yeah also I think Caleb has soon another podcast coming out of, of our general discussion it's like a 90s rewind of james and the giant peach oh yeah that'll probably be out soon around the time this is released so yeah. check that out it's pretty funny it's much more lighthearted than our discussion of this episode here and yeah that's can... a it's yeah. a real it's a real peach it's a real peach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're watching this now and it comes out in three days so yeah, so look for his 3D print paint of maybe something particular that we already discussed. Could have something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And though we make light of it and we kind of make jokes about it, Caleb has two videos on his channel. They're wrap ups of 2023, one of his builds and one of our podcasts of the Nerd Holes over there, our brand over on his channel. I encourage you to watch both of those videos. And if there's anything in those videos that you enjoy and you'd like to see more about or hear us discuss, find him on his channel. Give him a watch. Yep. yep, there's a bunch of stuff on there. So we appreciate you watching. Sorry that it wasn't uh, an enthusiastic episode and that maybe we complained about it a lot more. But we appreciate you sticking through it. Not all of them have got to be winners, and that's okay. So... We look forward to next week for the ultimate computer. And so until then, computer, ho-ho, and program. <laughs>
See you guys. Bye. Check for any messages. Oh, yes, there is a message here. Uh, let's see from the captain to all crew. Please do the outro of the. Oh, okay, yes. Take time on my busy doctor schedule here to record a couple things. Oh, hello, Dr. Stephen House, Chief Medical Officer aboard the USS Drake. Just wanted to record a few reminders for you guys. So here we go. The Retrack Review is a Daystrom Holodeck podcast. It's produced in association with the Plastic Underground Props, hosted by Caleb Stoddard and Will Wilbur, edited by Will Wilbur. Our outro song is by Kaylee Joy Rookledge. Our theme song is by Samo Studios. And our outro song is by Tommy T. The title card art was created by Caleb Stoddard. The trophy art was created by Adrian Wilbur from Love by the Letters. The synopsis and written plot provided by memoryalpha.fandom.com. Star Trek is created by Gene Roddenberry. And all official clips and pictures are owned by Paramount Pictures. You can follow us at the Plastic Underground Props and the Daystrom Holodeck on Instagram and YouTube. So that is it. That is all I had to say. And uh, oh, what? Was that? Sh- Don't touch that. Wish I got bit on the neck by a monkey. No, you didn't.